Well, hello, welcome to The Orchard Podcast. This is episode four in series two, if you are keeping track. Uh, and if you are, you will know that we are in a series where we're exploring these different... Enca- I said exploring, that was kind of weird, wasn't it? <laughs> exploring these different encounters that Jesus has with women in the Gospels. And so the series is called Jesus Meets. And we are on the fourth encounter. And this time, we're going to explore the encounter that Jesus has with the woman at the well. Yes. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> she doesn't have a name. She doesn't have a name, but... Mm. Um, but she is a really significant person, actually, in the Gospel of John. Mm. And, um, and there is so much, without making a well, a well pun, <laughs> there's so much that we can draw, draw from. from. Oh, you beat me too. I was going to say mine <laughs> from, but that's not a well, is it? That's something else. A cave? Anyway, we digress. Mine, yes. So we're going to be looking at the woman, uh, the woman at the well, and as I said, yes, yeah, so much that we can draw up from there. Draw, um, and we're going to do it. We structured it today, so kind of a bit, a bit like a chess game, if you will. If you're taking notes, um, this will help you. If you're not, that's fine. You'll just then have a little roadmap of where we're going. So uh, imagine it a bit, little bit like a chess game. That's how we've structured it. And so if you like, Jesus makes the first move. And then we see how the woman responds, and then Jesus, and then the woman, and then Jesus, and then the woman. Mm-hmm. So six moves, six points, if you are, again, taking notes. Uh, and so we're going to start, as always, with <laughs> Jesus. And, um, and Jesus is there. Yes. There at the well. Number one. Yes. And for those that are, maybe you said this already, Rach, but we're going from John 4. I didn't, so oh, thank you. Yes. So if you have your Bibles, which uh, you might not if you're out for a run or, or driving, driving, we say this. Uh, but anyway, we're going to go from John 4. And um, But yeah, firstly, what we learn um, uh, with Jesus is that this there's so much wrong with this encounter. Yes. Um, there's so much that's upside down. Um, and filled with taboo, like socially, culturally, all of that. Firstly, it says here that he is um, making his way to Galilee, um, yet he goes through Samaria. Yeah. Um, and, you know, to go through Samaria is just the wrong way. Yeah. No one, no Jew would go through Samaria to meet with any Samaritan because of the conflict between them. Right. Um, and so Jesus decides to go through that, which in itself is completely out there. And then he goes and has a conversation with a Samaritan woman. Not only is she a Samaritan, but she's a woman. Um, and actually, I was reading earlier that we learned that um, this is actually the longest encounter um, that Jesus has with anyone with any individual through the whole of the gospel of john wow that's um, so cool which actually not only is that it means it's a really significant story yeah but also with a woman the, yeah. the longest encounter is so validating woman. isn't it wowzers yeah yeah so um anyway so and and, these, and even as i was thinking about this about this whole idea of um jesus going through um samaria because it, is that, is that how you say it when you're posh? Samaria. Samaria, I know. Samaria. Samaria. <laughs> Did she have a bath in Samaria <laughs> after just... she'd cut the grass? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, Rach. Um, Samaria. Samaria. Samaria, yes. 
Which is like a scone. Oh, is it a scone or scone? I can never which, remember which way is the posh one. Anyway, carry on. Anyway, Jesus. You were saying something um, really profound. Yes. Well, it's just that I, was, I just loved that he says, it, say, it says in verse 4, it says, now he had to go through yeah. Samaria. Um, and, and I just thought, it, what I gained from that is that he felt that he had to, like the yeah. father had to, he told him that he had to go through mm. um, Samaria, which makes me think that this was um, an obedience. Jesus, you know, Jesus says, I only do what I see my father doing, that actually the father in heaven was saying, go, I have an assignment for you. Yeah. So it's this wonderful idea that, mm. um, that God, the father wanted to meet with this woman, mm. you know, and to reveal Jesus to her. And then we, we're going to hear more about actually what happened. But I just love that, yes. that this is an assignment of the Father. Yes. Um, and it's interesting thinking about Jesus, knowing that he's fully human, fully God, that obviously, yes, the Holy Spirit, the Father compels him by the Spirit to go out of his way yeah. geographically and socially. I mean, that's the point, isn't it? He's gone out of his way both geographically and socially. Like how much... How much do we think that Jesus knew what he was going to encounter when he got there? I know. Even that is interesting. Maybe not much. Maybe not much. And again, for us as human beings, full, I'm, I'm fully human and not fully God, as you probably know. That <laughs> um, it's a trust thing, isn't it? Mm. That, that maybe Jesus in his humanity, mm. let's just say, yeah. didn't necessarily know that this woman was going to be on the other side of this detour. But he goes yeah. because the father tells yeah. him, and he does what his father tells yeah. him. I mean, he may, again, in his so, in his divinity, he may well have known. He probably did know. Who knows? Let's not try and guess <laughs> what Jesus did and didn't know at that particular mm. moment. But mm. there is a something there for us, isn't there, about yeah. just trusting yeah. those that, that prompting from the Spirit. Yeah. So yeah, the the first thing is then he's. Mm. Yeah. He's geographically and socially out mm. of his way to mm. meet her. Sorry, were you going to? I was in? just going to say, but also I do just think that I guess the idea of the father caring, because I think sometimes we can relate to Jesus, but to know that mm. oh, this is the father's heart, yes, um, is is just is is something to just for a moment think and reflect on you know the yes. father's heart is for this woman to be set free yes um and sometimes we can think of them it being sort of two separate entities do you know what i mean i do like and jesus and is the kind one and the father's sort of distant yes and actually for her the father is the god of the torah yeah you know which without jesus there is there is sort of a yeah, to make known a, a yeah. harshness isn't there in some ways if you don't know the mm. whole picture and so if you just read the Torah that sort of that that the, the that understanding of the father it wouldn't make sense for then him to reach out to this sinful woman why are you laughing at me is it because I've said the Torah a few times I don't know what's so funny Amy's just absolutely losing it over here did I spit at you or something no do you, shall I carry on? Yes. So I was thinking about Samaria. Oh, I <laughs> You weren't listening to a word that I said. Carry on. Anyway, so number one, Jesus goes geographically and socially out of his way to Samaria or Samaria, <laughs> however you'd like to say it. Number two, then we see the, the woman obviously is a really important part of this whole scene. Yeah. And, and number two is... She stays and she responds to Jesus. 
And again, as Amy said, because because there is so much socially wrong with this this moment, yeah. the woman could have just walked away. Yeah. Like, it, it, it's, I mean, and this is what's hard for us to understand in the culture and the time that we live in. You know, this isn't just like she sat at a bus stop mm. in Birmingham in yeah. 2022 and this guy walks up and sits next to her at the bus stop. Like, this encounter, everything about this encounter is so, so wrong that it's hard for us to fully understand the layers yeah. to it. Mm. And it, she would have been forgiven, actually, for just abandoning what she was doing, yeah. this essential duty of collecting water for the day and just walking away because it's it, it's so wrong that a man, a Jewish man, should be there yeah. at that time of we day. We can't grasp We can't it. grasp no. it. Yeah. That actually, almost like a almost like a, a human instinct response would have been, mm. I'm just going to walk away from this scenario. But yeah. she doesn't. She stays. Mm. Not only does she stay and do what she came to do, but she also enters into this conversation with Jesus, which mm. is another layer of social taboo. The fact yeah. that they're both there at the same time, yeah. but then the fact that they would engage in conversation. Like a Jewish man would never speak to a woman in public, let alone a Samaritan woman, let yeah. alone a Samaritan woman that had extremely questionable yeah. morals. So she stays. Yeah. And I think what we what we felt when we chatted about this is that what it, again, what it implies, not only is there something about Jesus that just compels people to stay in his presence, yeah. despite all those social taboos that she has to cross to even stay in that moment, there's, there's obviously something so compelling about him mm. that she stays. But more than that, she obviously feels a sense of safety in his yeah. presence. Yeah. You know, she, um, she, she doesn't worry that, that he's going to rape her, that he, he might judge her, that he might gossip about her, that, you know, he might attack her, rob mm. from her. Mm. She doesn't seem to be concerned about yeah. any of that. I mean, she speaks. She speaks back, doesn't she? She, she talks back. Yeah, yeah. And, and actually, some of some of the commentaries that we've read, there's like a, a, there's a lot of thinking that she's actually been quite sarcastic, maybe a little bit facetious in her response to him in the dialogue. Mm. And it occurred to me that I wonder if that's the way that she's got used to sort of interacting with men yeah you know we know that she has five husbands clearly this is yeah. a woman who is used to interacting with men in a particular way maybe that's a defense mechanism for her that despite her feeling safe in his presence able to just speak she still sort of she doesn't know this is the messiah at this point and so she's still speaking to jesus perhaps in a way uh, almost like slightly bantery isn't it mm. that that sort of sarcasm slash facetiousness to her tone and um yeah i i think i think it's interesting that um that might be learnt behavior for her and jesus just sees yeah. straight through it so yeah jesus is there he's gone out of his way this woman she stays and she responds and then number three yeah jesus meets meets her in her immorality. Yeah, I in love her brokenness. this. Yeah. And I think that is what we, I mean, given these conversations we've had over the last couple of weeks or months, um, we do just see Jesus meeting all of these Jesus meets, all of these encounters. He just meets people where they're at, doesn't yeah. he? Completely. Um, and again, meets this woman at the well where 
in her pain, in her shame. And the reason that we know this even, that she is an outcast, that, um, is that she is drawing water in midday you know this would drawing water would be like a social event with all the women gathering together um in and she goes to or she can't go in the morning because that's that's when all the other women go yeah Um, so so she's going in the heat of the day you know this is hot um and she chooses to go uh, when no one else is there so we know that she's an outcast we know that she has been you know abandoned no friendship she's isolated um which i mean must cause her such pain Mm. and she must be feeling such deep shame um and yet jesus as we've said already goes out of his way Mm. and meets her there right there and and dignifies her doesn't he dignifies her but also even he he meets her in the duty you know he says oh can you get me your water yeah so he's like he meets her in the activity yeah um i just you know it says so much about how he encounters us um and I I think even my story and I I know for you that he just he when I first met Jesus he he really did he met me in my greatest insecurities and in my greatest pain um and it wasn't there was no sense of like you better get that sorted before we can go any further it Mm -hmm. was like meet me find out who I am learn of my grace and my mercy and then let's go on this journey together um and so I just I just think Jesus he's always meets us in that place I, I think it's so challenging for us as well in the way that we deal with people because I think It's so easy for us to see people through the lens of what we know about them. Mm. Judgment, essentially, isn't it? And almost we can can place value on other human beings based on what they have or haven't done, for good or for bad. Mm. I think what's incredible about Jesus is that he always sees the person, know, doesn't he? Underneath. Underneath. Mm. He sees beyond... The behavior. The behavior, mm. the mistakes. The, he sees the person. And I find that so challenging. I yeah. remember reading, I think it's in John Tyson's book, The Beautiful Resistance, or Beautiful Resistance. And there's this whole chapter around contempt. I can't remember. He, the, the, the setup of the book is this versus that, this versus that. So yeah. it's contempt versus something else. I can't remember off the top of my head. But I was so challenged by that because it's this idea that as human beings, we go around consciously and unconsciously mm. holding contempt in our hearts towards those that we think are lesser than us. Mm. Whether that's, you know, something something subtle or something blatant like somebody so so um so so economic standing or even race or gender Mm. um or life experience or even the way that they're dressing or you know that so often Mm. if we're not careful yeah we we deal with other human beings with this sort of contempt in our hearts this temptation just to look down i found that so challenging when i'm walking around you know we both live in cities when I'm walking around the city and I see somebody engaging with their child in a way that feels sort of less than ideal to me, you know, immediately I I feel that sense of judgment. You know, they shouldn't be 
talking to their child like that. Or, <laughs> yeah. you know, you see somebody, yeah. even somebody who's sleeping rough and begging for money, and I'm thinking, well, they're only going to use that money on drugs. And and, and maybe that, that there's some truth in that, but the, the point is... It is radical yeah. the way that Jesus treats people, the way he just looks yeah. past the brokenness. Yeah. And it's not that he doesn't deal with it, no. but he always sees the person first. Yeah. Actually, I remember Krish Kandaya, who set up the charity Home for Good, and him and his wife fostered and adopted lots of children. And I remember him saying that they fostered a little boy who was dropped at their home, you know, in the middle of the night, social services. And this boy was described as the biter. Mm. This this little kid mm. who had had such uh, such tough life experiences under his belt, and mm. I guess his only way to cope was by mm. lashing out through sort of biting. Yeah. And I remember Chris saying, "What saddened him most is that this boy." had been identified by almost like the worst thing that he does. Yeah. And that's shame actually, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And that's what Jesus does. He yeah. Yeah. he never labels us mm. by the worst thing that we've done. No. Even when maybe other people have. Yeah. It's oh, yeah. it's absolutely amazing, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And I also um you know, I just even think um for those even that are listening now or um just that that actually if you are feeling condemnation and you're feeling yeah. shame and that you know you feel like you it's I've done too much you know um that that you can hear this truth today mm-hmm. that actually Jesus he wants us to encounter he isn't he's not wanting to modify our behavior he wants mm. us to encounter him yeah. and when we encounter him our behavior changes because it's a response to him and that's what we see in yeah. this don't we that he sh- she encounters him mm. and that's what changes lives yeah um it's not that he's He's the one that gives us the things to do to change. Yeah. He comes in, we meet him, and it's a life. It's the with byproduct. Him yeah. And, um, and so I just, yeah, I just, yeah, I just think for for those that are feeling in that place, to just ask Jesus, even just right now, to come and meet with you yes. um, in that place, because that is what He delights to do. Um, and I think the danger is if we've been treated in a a way that's judgmental by other human beings, Mm. we project Jesus onto those judgments Mm. and we, we think Jesus judges us through, through through this in the same way. And of course, because of what Jesus has done, the father sees us as children of God clothed Mm. in righteousness, Mm. you know, Mm. And it, it's so easy, isn't mm. it, to, to assume that Jesus only sees the mess yeah. and the muck. Yeah. Um, okay, so move one, Jesus is out of his way. He's gone out of his way to meet her. Move two, she responds. She stays where she is. Move three, Jesus meets her where she's at. And then move four, the woman, and there's just this little moment, isn't there? There's this little phrase that we read in John 4. It says that, she drops her water jar. Uh, and, mm. and even though that's sort of, in some ways it's in the story because John's describing what happened, but it feels like there's more to that, that little throwaway line 
There's something literal about it, but there's also, I think there's something symbolic about it. And it, you mm. were saying, Amy, mm. weren't you, when we were chatting earlier, that it, it kind of reminds us of when Jesus calls the disciples uh, the, the fishermen, mm. and he tells them to leave what they're doing. They, it, the Bible says they dropped their nets and they followed him. Mm. And of course, the fishing nets for those disciples were symbolic of their livelihood. This is what they did every day. And so there was that, that in, in sort of dropping their nets and following Jesus, there's like a, a letting go. There's a trust. This is like radical trust, isn't it? Radical mm. faith and mm. saying, I'm going to let go of everything else yeah. that I've held on to for security and identity, and I'm going to follow you. And there's something that feels resonant to that, doesn't yeah. there? Yeah. That she drops the, this water jar. Mm. Um, in fact, you kept saying water jug, didn't I you? Did. We kept talking about jugs, <laughs> and it was just sort of throwing us off a little jar, bit. So jar. we'll go with jar. Uh, and so she, it's almost by dropping the jar, it, she's like, Mm. I'm I'm leaving behind mm. this daily responsibility. I'm going after Jesus. Yeah. Uh, and there's something there's something for us in that, yeah. isn't there? That that's that's often what God calls us to do. That when He calls us into something, it often means we have to let go of something else. And usually, that something else is something that we're holding on to for a sense of yeah security, yeah. comfort, even mm. safety. Yeah. But even before that, um, I know this is uh, this is sort of going into the second, the sort of the next part about oh, with Jesus. Jeff, you're, not, you're not messing with I the structure. I am messing are with you? the structure. Well, um, because she she drops her water jar um, because she's received living water yeah. from Jesus. Yeah. Um, and and actually, this whole encounter is about her receiving not just physical water to quench her thirst, but salvation. You know, yeah. to to receive um, living water that will last forever, you know, eternal salvation in Jesus. That's why she drops it. And like you're saying, then drops the jar, drops the, the, the daily responsibility because there's something so much greater mm -hmm. to go after, you know, or yeah. to, you know, we, we'll learn it in a minute to, to go and proclaim. Yeah. Um, but even this, um, this idea then of... Um, you know, sort of Jesus offering this living water. Um, we were even reflecting, weren't we, Rachel, that actually even the this encounter being in um, by a well yeah. um, in the in the Bible, wells are symbolic for for marriage. You know, people um, met their wives. Um, <laughs> many. It's like the Tinder. It is the Tinder of the day. <laughs> so Just Abraham, hang out if you want to get married. Hang out at a well. Exactly. That's a little tip for you. <laughs> Find a well. Hang out. You never know who might <laughs> stroll along. Uh, but Abraham met uh, Abraham sent Isaac to meet his wife. Uh -huh. um, well, Jacob met Rachel. Good um, name. Good name. And Moses with Sephora yeah. at the well. All happens at the well. Um, but even that idea of that, the symbolism of Jesus meeting this woman mm -hmm. um, at a well, the, the symbolism of marriage. You know, she's been married five times, mm. and what he's saying is, I have a, I have a new marriage for you yeah. a living water this this covenant with me that will last forever mm. and it's sort of redeeming all of the other marriages that have gone before and saying i am your ultimate marriage i, love that. Um, I just and then it's then the response is <gasps> i'm giving up everything I i'm in it. Yeah. you know i've received this salvation i've received this marriage with jesus that was forever yeah. um that then the response is clear yeah and I, I think 
we, we don't know this because it doesn't say, but we can assume that perhaps for this woman, marriage had become an idol. Mm. You know, that, that Jesus offers her living water to quench this sort of deep thirst. Yeah. And therefore we can assume that that what she was using yeah. to, to try and quench that thirst mm. was relationships, mm. was marriage after marriage after marriage. And we know she's in another relationship. She's not married to this man. And, and it's not fulfilling. It's, mm. it's not meeting that deep thirst that she has, this sort of moving from relationship to relationship to relationship. And in a sense, she's made this an idol. And that's... That's where the symbolism is as well, isn't it? It's yeah. like you're trying to, you're worshipping the idol of relationships when marry me, you yeah. know, in a sense, mm. place your worship on me mm. and you will not be disappointed. Yeah. You will not be thirsty. And it's funny, I was thinking about my own story that mm. for a long time, you know, it went but before I married Tim, it was like I had this this desperate hunger to to be loved, not not just loved because I I was you know love my mom, my parents my family etc. But mm. desired, I yeah. think that's what it was, and I think because I felt so undesirable, yeah, it was like there was I had this almost like this addiction to being desired by men, and and so it, for a time in my teens and my twenties. It was like I was fixated on that, like everything revolved yeah. around, mm. will I be in a scenario where there might be some guys that, you know, I can mm. interact with and sort of get that fix of feeling desirable. Yeah. And that was definitely like an idol for me. That was the thing. Yeah. I was trying to desperately feed this hunger, this thirst inside me mm. that was crying out for love and acceptance mm. and value and I was just seeking it out yeah. in the context of romantic relationships. Yeah. And so I, I resonate to a degree. I mean, I haven't been married five times, just to be clear, just the once. <laughs> but actually, when I encountered Jesus, mm. to be fair, you know, it's not like it went away overnight. Yeah. But I knew in that I had this really significant encounter with Jesus in my early 20s. And mm. it was like, yeah. oh, my goodness me. Yeah. This is what I need. Yeah, yeah. And I really felt God dignified me in that mm. because I felt like kind of yeah. used goods, if yeah. I'm honest. Yeah. Um, in my sort of promiscuity and all of that, I, I felt like used goods. Mm. And I, 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 a bit like this woman, mm. Jesus dignified me. Mm. He forgave me. Yeah. He restored me. Yeah. And I never would have thought at that point that God would give me yeah the life that I've had, all the, all the blessings in my life that I've experienced because mm. I had kind of disqualified mm. myself. Yeah. And, well, we can see yeah. that not only does, mm. does Jesus qualify this woman, but yeah. he uses her in quite an extraordinary way. Yeah. But I just love that he, even that he um, meets her in the pain. I think sometimes yeah. we want to run away from the pain. Yeah. But actually so often he takes us back yes. to the pain to then redeem the pain. Beauty for ashes, yeah. And actually what's happening here is that she's, this, this, sim, this symbolism of marriage is really where so much of this pain is. Yeah. And he's like meeting her in it. Yes. He's like redeeming, um, redeeming that. Um, and Could, so, yeah, I just think, I don't know, I just feel like we've got to be brave to 
trust him when he might take us back or mm. remind us of some pain, but it's only because he wants to redeem it yeah. that he would take us back there to then show himself in that moment. Yeah. And I think, again, it's, it's also challenging for us, I think, you know, with us pastoring churches, it's also how we, how we enable and empower other people because if, you know, humanly speaking, I would not pick this woman. Mm. And again, it's remembering that mm. even now in the 21st century, it's relatively shocking for somebody to have been married five times. Like, but then it would have just, her, her life choices were so deeply shocking. Yeah. And yet that's the person mm. that Jesus uses. Yeah. That's the person that God the Father oh, no. uses mm. to spread the gospel. Like that is so counterintuitive, isn't it? It's so upside down. Mm. And I think it's a challenge, mm. a challenge for me. And I hope yeah. maybe for those listening that how, how often do we write people off? Yeah. And he's, his mercy is <laughs> a drip of, we see a tiny, tiny, yeah. tiny yeah. glimpse of mercy, don't yeah. we? But yeah. he is just so much more gracious and merciful than we can possibly imagine. Yes. And we've just boxed. <laughs> yes. His, you know, oh, well, he's merciful to that extent. Yeah. Or he's gracious, oh, but not, not that much, yes. you know? Yes. Um, and yet we just have, a, it's just a fraction of his grace yeah. that we have received. It's amazing. And actually, it's interesting that she, the moment that she drops the water jar isn't the moment that he tells her about her past. No. You know, that's pretty extraordinary that he... Knows. He, mm. This is the first time he's met her and he says, well, fact is you've been married five times and the person you're with isn't your husband. I guess that's, that's fairly spot on, isn't it, in the prophecy stakes. But that's not the bit that no. causes her to just drop the water jar and go and tell everyone. It's when she realizes that he's the Messiah. Yes. And actually thinking about the gift of prophecy, like prophecy is amazing, mm. but you know, it's, it's great if someone can tell you these intimate details about your life that nobody else knows. And it's mm. amazing if someone can tell you what's going to happen in the future. Mm. But the point is the bit that really grabs yes. her as attention mm. is when the penny drops Oh my goodness. You're the Messiah. You're the one. Yeah. You're the one. You're yeah. the one. And and I think one of the amazing things about prophecy is not so much that somebody could perhaps predict something that might happen in the future. It's when God uses someone prophetically to reveal something about yourself and you feel like oh, God knows, knows me. I know. it's he knows me. Mm. That is the power of prophecy, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, then... Move six. Move six. Do we need a quick recap? I love a recap. Oh, no, go no. on then, do Okay, recap. quick, I'm zoom through. Number one, move one, Jesus goes geographically and socially out of his way to meet her. Move two, the woman stays there and responds and has a conversation with Jesus. Move three, Jesus meets her where she's at in her brokenness, mm -hmm. in her, mm -hmm. you know, isolation. Uh, move four, this woman, she drops her water jar and all the symbolism behind that. Move five... Jesus then offers, is offering her living water, this, this image of new marriage, this new covenant. Mm. And then move six, the woman, she... She basically tells the village. She runs off, she drops her jar, 
Um, and not then her she, jug, not her jug. Her jug. Drops her jugs. Drops jar. her jug. My microphone is getting I know, higher and that. higher. <laughs> Good posture. Good posture. I know. Um, yeah, so she, so we read that she goes um, and tells the village to come and meet this man who has told me, could he be the Messiah, is what she says. He's told me everything about my life. Could he be the Messiah? Mm. Um, and in response, the village come and seek after Jesus. And it actually says, doesn't it, in verse um, 39, it says, many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him mm. because of the woman's story. So, so this woman tells her story and people are set free. I mean, it's yeah. the economy, the kingdom economy, isn't it? Um, that Jesus encounters this woman. He goes out of his way, meets her where she's at, encounters this woman. She meets Jesus, receives salvation, receives living water. She then automatically goes, gives it away, tells the story about Jesus. Mm -hmm. And then all these people um, are also saved and set free. And, um, you know, I just... It's, it's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> it is amazing. And it actually, we were having a little think, weren't we, about, um, you know, I guess the power of story mm. um, and that no one can compete with your story, you know, that actually we all have a story to tell. You know, those that are listening to this, you have met Jesus. Mm. We all have a story where we've encountered him, where he has spoken to us, that he has liberated us, that we've received salvation in Christ. Mm. That's your story. Yeah. And what we learn from this is it carries significant weight. Mm. You know, she didn't go and give a lecture on <laughs> theology of whatever. No. She said, she told people that she met this amazing man who has saved her, mm. who's met her in her pain, saved her life. Um, and look at the response. And I think we can under, I think underestimate the power of our story. And we think we need to fill it with more and more things. But actually, go and tell your story. Yeah. Go tell people um, when you met Jesus. Tell people what he has done for you. Because mm. that carries so much weight. Mm. Go on, say what happened the other day when you went to oh, the yeah. hospital. <laughs> I was just saying to, that I, it reminded me even of this, is that, that the scripture, I think it's in 1 Peter, where... Um, where it says, you know, always be prepared to give an answer um, for the hope that we have. The reason right? for the hope the that reason we have. For yeah. the, well done, Rach. Oh, I've remembered it. Yeah. So good. It's one of my memory verses. <laughs> um, anyway, I, was, I actually had a little bit of surgery on my leg. Um, she had a mole removed, <laughs> just so you know. Yeah. Not liposuction. I mean, she doesn't need liposuction. <laughs> yes. I would have asked them to do that at the same time. Uh, no, that's terrible values. Yeah, no, Rach. No. 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 Away, you liposuction. Are, yes. We do not need it. No. So anyway, In the went kingdom. To, went to get um liposuction the... i mean mole removed <laughs> mole removed a um, butt lift did you go in for a butt lift you don't need that either she's got a great oh butt. dear went to get a mole went to have some surgery and um anyway so i went into this room and they sat me down on the bed and i honestly wasn't thinking you know i wasn't right i'm <laughs> gonna evangelize no. on the and i, I didn't unsuspect you know nurse. i didn't even pray before i went in and thought what? oh this is an opportunity to share the gospel mm -hmm. um anyway so i went into this room and i sat down and they put me on the bed and and they said oh what do you do there was like uh, two nurses and a doctor um and i said um and i said oh i'm, I'm a vicar which is the easiest way to explain what we do yeah and um uh, and they were like oh you know they were slightly taken aback and they said well what have you always wanted to be a vicar? Um, and I said, I was like, oh, well, no, I, I actually didn't foresee this happening at all, actually. Um, and they were like, do you, do you mind me asking 
why you wanted to become a vicar. And I'm like, I don't mind at all. Thank you for asking. <laughs> yeah. um, anyway, this is whilst they were putting like anaesthetic in. These are probably like regular questions they have maybe to keep me awake <laughs> or distracted with the pain. But I don't putting... think they have many <laughs> gorgeous vicars like you. They put um, anaesthetic in my leg whilst I was, and they said, oh, do you mind me asking why you um, wanted to become vicar? And I then basically said, um, I said, oh, well, when I was 21, I, um, I, I met Jesus and he's totally changed my life. Um, and they were like, well, what do you mean you've met Jesus? <laughs> um, and I said, oh, well, I, when I was 21, I went to this, uh, this prayer event and I basically begged God to make himself known to me that if you were real, that if he was real, I would be yours and I would serve you forever. I was like begging him to make himself known. And, uh, and, and they said, and then, you know, and then what happened? And I said, well, I, I felt a, um, a, I felt a weight come over my body that I hadn't experienced before. That was the Holy Spirit. Um, and the, the feeling of being, oh, just like poured in, like all the love of God just pouring into my being and the, the sudden sense of purpose that my life had purpose and meaning. Um, and I said, from that moment on, I had no doubt that Jesus was real and I, my life has not looked, you know, has looked different um, since then and I've not turned back. And they were like, oh <laughs> and then they carried on with the surgery and so I came out and actually and my mum was there and I was chatting to her and I was like it was it was funny because I wasn't expecting that at all um and it wasn't even that they were like oh can I meet him yeah um and so I kind of left thinking oh was that even you know did did that did you close the deal yeah did it go deep <laughs> and actually I think sometimes we just share yeah, our stories and good. trust that a seed has been Set, laid down you know laid into yeah. in their hearts um and that that will grow and mm -hmm. because somebody else they might ask again or oh i met someone the other day and yeah, that's surgery. weird yeah you know. so i just think again the confidence to just say it but yeah always be prepared i was prepared <laughs> you were ready <laughs> yeah but i think that that's true what you were saying that people can argue with your theology they can argue with your ideology but yes, you can't argue with someone's story. No. And I, I, I think, like you were saying, people underestimate the power of their own testimony that actually maybe you, maybe, you, know, you weren't a drug dealer or on the streets or in prison or you know, saved from sort of ra radically from addiction or trauma or whatever. Maybe you do just feel like, mm. well, actually, I was just mm. kind of plodding along with my life and then I met Jesus. And mm. I, I remember Louis Giglio once saying, nobody has a boring testimony. Yeah. You were dead. Yeah, absolutely. You were dead. You I love were that. dead in your sin. Yeah, absolutely. Dead, 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 and now you're alive. Yes. Like, that is an amazing testimony, and we need to own <laughs> absolutely. that. Absolutely. We need to own that. And yeah. that, I think, I know I can get so apathetic about sharing my faith. Yeah. Because I think oh, they don't need it. They've got it all sorted. They're fine. Oh, it yeah. doesn't make sense. It, it makes me sound like a bit of a weirdo. It's like, no, yeah. I was dead. I was bound. Yeah. I was in a prison of sin and yeah. shame and yeah. brokenness. And God let me out. God freed me mm. into this wide mm. open space. And my yeah. life has never looked the same since. Yeah. And just even hearing you share that, I'm like, yeah, I want to share my story. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like that's a good And even, note. it is a good end, but also yeah. even... Um, we need to remind ourselves of our story. Yeah, that's I feel good. like I often 
need to be reminded of all the ways in which Jesus has set me free, all the yes. ways that he has cleared the way, even from the good times and the bad times, that he is always with me. Um, and we need to remember that yeah. um, in order to then receive the hope that we carry yes. um, to pass it on. That's good. And our lives should look hopeful, right? That's yeah. the thing. Always be prepared to give an answer for anyone who asks you for the reason, yeah. for the hope that you have. Yeah. That, that our, our lives should be so brimming with hope mm. that it prompts people to ask the question. Like that in itself is challenging. Mm. Shall we pray? Yeah. Lord Jesus, we just invite you now by your Holy Spirit to come mm. and to, to fill, to flood the hearts and the lives of every single person listening to this right now. Yeah. And we pray, God, that you would revive that sense of hope, revive that sense of uh, passion and excitement about mm. all that you've done in our yeah, lives and we thank you for this example of the woman at the well thank you that her testimony her life is a witness to us mm. it is a challenge to us that that you can use anyone yeah. that you fix the broken pieces but you don't you don't require us to come fixed, mm. but you ask us to come as we are mm. and that you fix us mm. as we mm. as we step out mm. yeah. in building your kingdom. Yeah. Uh, and I just pray now that even the seeds of this podcast would bear like salvation fruit, that there might even be like someone listening to mm. this right now that thinks, right, I've got to text my friend. I've got to invite a friend to Alpha or yeah. share my story or that, that there would be seeds of salvation that are planted even off the back of this podcast. Mm. Amen. Yeah. And I just want to pray as well. Just I feel um, the Father, um, just the, the idea that the Father sees his daughters um, and I just wonder if there are some, um, even just some people who are listening to this that just that can't connect this idea that the father, um, w this is a father assignment to see this woman set free, um, that it's the father's heart, that he is good. And so we just thank you, Father, that you are good, um, that you never let us down, um, and that you are running after us, that you're, you're seeking us out. Um, to bring redemption into our lives. And so we just pray a blessing on those people that really need to hear that truth today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us for a, an, a, another podcast. Um, exciting. Next, The next episode will be coming live from Wildfires Festival, oh, yes. where we'll have a special guest with whoop, us, whoop. a theologian and author Lucy Peppiot. So watch out for that. Uh, and then don't forget, if you haven't booked your ticket yet for our conference on November the 12th, um, do go ahead and do that. Tickets are starting to shift a bit now. Good. Um, so don't miss out. Make sure you grab yours, invite your friends, bring them along. Uh, we can't wait to see you in November, but maybe we'll see some of you at Wildfires. So uh, if you listen to this and um, and you're going to be there, come and say hi. We'd love to see you. We're going to be the Wednesday at 7 a.m. So get your alarm clock set. And if you haven't booked into Wildfires, why don't you come? Come <laughs> along. It's going to be epic. God bless you guys. And see, see you next time. Bye.